All right, I enjoyed the singing tonight. It's been tremendous. Uh, music, singing, congregational songs, choir specials. Uh, touch my heart every night, so thank you for your hard work that you put in here uh, to uh, give excellence in the music ministry, to honor and glorify the Lord and help us worship Him. I have enjoyed it and uh, certainly enjoyed being with you this week. It's been my privilege uh, to preach for you these nights and uh, certainly do love your pastor so much and his fellowship. And uh, you're so blessed to have a man that studies uh, the Bible, studies it, uh, its depths, gets in it, works in the Word, and then his preaching and teaching ministry. Uh, I am privileged to call Brother Wampler my friend, and you are privileged to call him your pastor tonight. So, Brother Wampler, it's been my honor to preach for you over these nights and uh, to the church uh, as well. May God bless you for all your kindnesses. Many of you have shared with us that you're praying, so thank you for praying for us. Uh, thank you for every prayer and every dollar uh, that you've given, whatever it is. I promise it's more than I deserve. And Jeannie and I take it with gratitude and thanksgiving uh, from God uh, to God and uh, to you tonight. So may the Lord bless you for it. We've enjoyed uh, use of the uh, prophet's chamber, been very comfortable and uh, rested very well. And the air conditioners work good, so thank God for that on these hot days. And I've uh, enjoyed the meals uh, each night, Pastor, and uh, then the Powells last night treating us to wonderful meals, and Pastor and I went and ate lunch today and had a, had a wonderful meal, special time of fellowship. So thank you so much for everything. Good to see Brother Posey tonight. He said that uh, they uh, had their service and got out and raced over here, so appreciate Brother Barry uh, coming tonight. Uh, Psalm 62. I'll finish up tonight in Psalm chapter number 62. While you're turning there, I have been speaking to you Concerning the matter of theology and geology. Theology is the study of God and geology is the study of rocks. And the Bible combines those two things. And over and over in the scriptures we see that God is referred to as a rock. He's called a rock. It's one of his names in scripture. God is our rock. We see this often in the book of Psalms. And particularly we see it in David's Psalms. So I have been preaching from some of David's psalms, his songs, in which he is writing and singing to God as his rock. God is his rock. So I have entitled this David's Rock Songs. And tonight I want to speak to you from Psalm 62. And I do want to remind you that these rock songs that David writes and sings to the Lord about the Lord, he does so while he is living in the caves of Adullam and the cave of Engedi. And those caves are called in the writing of the Chronicles, the rocks. David was hiding in the rocks. And these songs are written out of deep trials and troubles in David's life. Uh, very difficult experiences. And as he is living in those rocks, those rocks begin to speak to him about God. And God speaks to him from the rocks. And what those caves and those rocks were to David while he was being pursued by Saul and later by his son Absalom. What those caves and those uh, rocky places had been to him, God, his rock, had been all alone. So I'm reading tonight from Psalm chapter 62 beginning at verse 1. 
Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence, they only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly, Selah. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Notice if you would, verse number 11 and 12. Verse 11, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. I'll stop reading there. Of course, you saw for yourself these numerous references to the Lord being David's rock, David's only rock. This is one of David's rock songs, and as we have seen in previous songs in these psalms, that when David is speaking about God as his rock, he has certain attributes of God in mind expressed by the image of the rock. And it is these attributes of God that David finds comforting and encouraging in his times of trials and troubles. So Monday night I spoke from the rock song, Psalm 18, about God's attribute of immutability. Rocks speak of the immutability of God. Rocks don't change. And in that they are like God who does not change. He is immutable. Last night we looked at uh, the psalm before ours tonight, Psalm 61, this rock song of David. And uh, I pointed out how that God is our rock magnifies not only God's attribute of immutability, but His attribute of impassibility. Not only do rocks not change, Rocks are impassable things. They do not have passions. They, they are without passion. So we studied last night this attribute in God of His impassibility, that He is a God without passions. Now tonight from this other rock song, and there are many more than just these three, but Psalm 62 I believe magnifies God as... David's rock and magnifies God's attribute of immovability. God's attribute of immovability. And so I'd like to preach about that tonight. Our brother, Brother Waddington, who led us in prayer at the beginning of the service, thank God and praise God in his prayer because God is unmovable tonight. And so I want to brag for these closing moments 
of this meeting on God's attribute of immovability. Obviously, David is experiencing great movability in his trials and troubles. As he has been pursued first by Saul, Psalm 18, then by Absalom and Ahithophel, this is Psalm 61 and 62, David has been a man on the run. David is a man who has been hunted and hounded and haunted by this constant threat, this constant pursuit of his enemies. And David has found a resting place. He has found in these caves and in these rocks this one place, this one place that he can run to that is immovable. And these immovable rocks in the southern part of Israel, in the Judean wilderness, in those mountainous rocks, these immovable rocks that have been a hiding place for David, he begins to sing to God as the immovable God or God who is his immovable rock. You know in your own experience tonight of troubles and trials that it just seems like that at times you're being swept away and carried away. It seems at times that you are just being tossed about to and fro. Sometimes in my own experience, I feel like I'm experiencing spiritual vertigo at times. I feel like my head and my heart are just spinning from one thing to the next. Sometimes our troubles and trials make us feel like that we are on a -a tilt-a-whirl at the fair where we are just tossed about constant movement because of our trials. It feels like at times our world is just spinning and reeling. It's just moving here and there and at times everywhere. And David takes comfort and consolation in that his position in God is fixed and God is his rock. He says in this psalm, God is his only rock. God is his salvation. God is his defense. God is his strength. God is his refuge. God is his immovable rock. Immovability is one of God's attributes. After Socrates and Plato, there came along the Greek philosopher whose name was Aristotle. Aristotle, unlike Socrates and Plato, had a belief in God. He said there must be some God out there. And Aristotle based his belief in God on the phenomena in the cosmos of motion and movement. Aristotle was not sure what to call the God that he believed in. So Aristotle's name for God, not the God of the Bible, not the Christian God, but Aristotle's God is the God that he called the unmoved mover. That God was the unmoved mover. And for there to be existence that is in motion throughout the whole cosmos, 
There had to be a first mover and a first cause that set everything in motion in this cosmos who caused all the motion but who he himself must be unmoved and uncaused. Over a millennium later, a philosopher, another philosopher who was also a Christian theologian by the name of Thomas Aquinas wrote a massive volume on theology entitled the Latin phrase Summa Theologica or his summary of theology. And in Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology he said, he wrote about extensively what he called the five ways that we all know that the God of the Bible is real and true. And according to Thomas Aquinas, the first way that we know that God is real and true is through the cosmological argument of motion throughout the universe. And so what Thomas Aquinas did is he picked up Aristotle's title for God, the unmoved mover, and used that title himself in the Summa Theologica and went further than Aristotle did and said the unmoved mover is the God of the Bible. The way that we know that the God of the Bible is the one and only true God is because of motion that exists in the the universe. Therefore, God must be an unmoved mover who set it all into motion. Of course, before Thomas Aquinas and before Aristotle, there was another philosopher and theologian that you all know well, his name was the Apostle Paul. And before Aristotle or Aquinas came upon the argument for God, the existence for God being that of motion, Paul first said it in Acts 17 and 28 when he said, it is in the God of the Bible. He's writing to to these uh, false worshipers of false gods in Athens on Mars Hill. And Paul said the God of the Bible is the only one true God because in Him we live and move and have our being. Paul said you all know that there is a God and you ought to know that it is the God of the Bible because He is the only explanation there is for life, motion, and being. In Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. You can't get through the second verse of the Bible without seeing God's attribute of immovability, but how through this immovable God He has set into motion by His own movement all motion that exists in the world. One of God's attributes is that He Himself is the first mover. He is the prime mover. He is a God who moves and who is in motion that sets movement into everything else in the cosmos but who He Himself cannot be moved by another. The immovability of God. 
Have you ever wondered what it was that Ezekiel and John saw when they saw God on His throne in heaven? In Ezekiel chapter number 1 and then in Revelation chapter number 4, Ezekiel and John both have a similar vision of heaven, a similar vision of the throne of God, and a similar vision of the God of the throne. And it is ever Has it ever occurred to you that Ezekiel and John both described their vision of God on His throne in heaven as being like a beautiful stone? You ever notice that? That when they saw God on His throne, they both said He had as it were the appearance. Not that God is literally a rock or a stone, but as it were the appearance of a beautiful stone that is sitting on the throne. Why do you think it is that when Ezekiel and John had this vision and revelation of God on His throne, why do you think they saw a stone sitting on the throne? Because in that throne they saw the one who moves everything in the creation, but the one sitting on the throne is immovable and cannot be moved off of his throne. Now there have been attempts, if you read your Bible, there have been attempts to move God off his throne. Isaiah chapter 14 Revelation 12 record the event of Satan and one third of the angels making a move on the throne of God. But you know what happened? God did not move from His throne. God was not moved, but they were. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve grasp. They make a move for Godhood. They make an attempt at God's throne, but God did not move from His throne, but Adam and Eve did from the garden. In Genesis 6, the sons of God, not going into any detail about that, but they make this move against the one who sits upon the throne, and yet the one who sits upon the throne remains upon the throne while they are cast down into hell, into everlasting chains of darkness. And I have read in the book of the Revelation that at the end of time, There will be a worldwide movement against God and against His Son, the one who sits upon the throne. And I have read it in the Revelation that uh, when they make their move against God and His throne, once again, like at all other times, He'll still be sitting on His throne unmoved, but they themselves will be moved into hell. In David's difficulty, he is drawing strength From God, His rock, who is immovable. And I want you to see in this psalm very quickly tonight that David uses three prepositions to describe his position to the rock that is his God. I want you to notice, if you would please, in verse number 1 through 5, and particularly in verse 1 and 5, David's preposition to describe his position to the rock is the preposition upon. I will wait upon God who is my salvation, my rock, my strength, my defense upon God. Now I want you to notice in verse number 7, 8, all the way through verse 10, David's 
preposition, prepositions that he uses to describe his position to the rock changes from being upon to being in, to being in God. Did you notice that? Verse 7 and 8, particularly in God, in God. And then I'll close tonight in verse 11 and 12 where David transitions to a third preposition, preposition to describe his position to the rock where he uses this preposition, verse 11 and 12, unto, unto, unto God. So David speaking about God as his immovable rock speaks about being on God, in God, and to God. So number one tonight, let's say something quickly about verse 1 through 5. And I want to challenge us with this matter of getting onto the rock. Number one, the need for getting on to the immovable rock. David describes his position by the preposition upon, being upon. He says that he will wait upon God. He is on the rock. David sees himself getting on to the rock of God. He says that his soul is going to wait. It is going to rest upon God who is his only rock. And notice that David in verse number 1 through 5 is talking to himself. And he is not only talking to himself, he is talking to his soul. My soul, he says in verse 1. And again in verse 5, My soul, wait thou upon God. I want you to see tonight this need of getting on to the rock. Being upon the rock. On Christ. The Bible has much to say about being on Christ. That's what David has in mind. He has made his way on to the rock. He has gotten on to the rock. And I want you to notice that he describes this rock as being his soul rock. S-O-U-L, his soul rock. This rock, God, the immovable rock, is the rock that his S-O-U-L needs. And I say that David has experienced great movement. Not only, not only has he moved in relationship to his kingdom, to his throne, to his crown, and to his life, but there is tremendous movement in David's soul. Great unrest in David's soul. We talked about that last night in his mind and his emotion. He is struggling in his soul. And here in the first part of the psalm, he's talking to himself. But he's not just talking to himself, he's talking to his soul and the need of his soul to be upon God. To be on this immovable rock. Can you see that? When you are talking to yourself, that is known as soliloquy. I hear a lot today about bipolar. More and more and more diagnoses of bipolar disorder. I'm I'm not so convinced tonight about about bipolar disorder that that is unique to certain people who are mentally ill. I am of the persuasion that every human being is bipolar. Do you ever talk to yourself? What would you call somebody who talks to themselves? 
Who are you talking to? Yourself. Who, who is talking to yourself? You are. Do you ever answer yourself? I'm convinced tonight if you're a Christian, if you are a Christian, you are definitely bipolar. Because there is a struggle inside of you between the spirit and the flesh. Between a new man and an old man. And I'm convinced tonight that every one of us has a preacher inside of us. And I'm convinced that every one of us likes to turn the preacher that is inside of us loose on everybody else as much as we can. But I learned from David and other writers of the Bible that that preacher that is inside of you needs to be turned loose on you and you need to preach to yourself. That's what David is doing in the first part of this psalm. He's talking to himself and he's talking to his soul and he's preaching to his own heart. He's preaching to his own soul and he's saying to his soul, be on God, wait on God, rest on God. He's your only rock. He's your salvation, defense, your strength and your refuge. You can rest upon God. Our soul needs a rock that we can rest on to. And David sees God as his soul rock, S-O-U-L, but he not only sees God as his soul rock, S-O-U-L, he sees God as his soul rock, S-O-L-E. Notice he describes God as his only rock. He's reminding himself, he's preaching to himself, soul, you have a rock. You are on the rock. And so the rock that you are on is your soul. S-O-L-E, your only rock. In fact, that Hebrew word translated only is also translated truly and surely in the same song. It's the same Hebrew word and it's used six times in this psalm altogether, leading some commentators to call this David's only psalm. Only, surely, truly. David is recognizing that there have been other rocks in his life, but they have all moved. They have all failed him. Are you listening to me? Saul had been a rock. Absalom, Ahithophel. These are men, particularly Saul and Ahithophel, men that David had leaned on, men David had trusted in and confided in, and all of his rocks have moved. And here he's preaching to himself. He's challenging his own heart, his own soul, and says, Saul, the only rock that you have and the only rock that you need is the rock that you have in God. Wait upon God. Rest on God. Trust on God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. David is getting on to the rock. And he is finding that God is his soul, S-O-U-L rock, and that God is his soul, S-O-L-E, his only rock. You know, we all have other rocks in our life, don't we? Hmm? We all have other refuges that we run to in times of trouble. Some people, some church people's rock is money. It's what they trust in. It's what they depend on. It's really where their faith is at. 
But if you depend on money, is that, is that, really, is that really an immovable rock? Some people, their rock and refuge is their family. That's what they're depending on and resting on. Is family and family relationships really and truly an immovable rock in our life? We've already seen this week from David's case and all of our own cases. No. For some people, it's food. Every time they get into some kind of problem or difficulty, you know, they run to their comfort foods. A bucket of bluebell ice cream or Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm miserable. Where, where's the ice cream? Where's the donuts? It'll make me feel better. A refuge, a rock. For some people it's alcohol. For some people it's dope or drugs. For some people it's prescription medications. Where are their pills? Where's the pills? Where are the pills? Where, 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 where's, where's the bottle? Every time they... Have, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that, that, that all of the things that I've just mentioned, these substitute rocks that we have in our life, have you ever noticed that the clinical term for them is dependencies? Y'all ever notice that? You ever, you, ever, you ever wondered why these things are called dependencies? Because that's what they are. It's things that we depend on in a tight place. It's things we depend on when life is moving too fast, when there's too much movement and we don't know how to cope and so we run to these rocks. When you study David's life, he has had other rocks but they have all failed him. They, they have all moved. And so he's preaching to himself about getting on to the rock, being on Christ. And he's reminding, he's challenging his own heart that God is his only rock. Only God is the only rock because only God will never move. I appreciate the singing of the hymn tonight. The solid rock, I particularly love the third verse of that song. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then and only then is my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. That seems to be the message of David's song while he's singing the first stanza to himself, getting on to the rock. Number two, I want you to notice David's emphasis not only about getting on to the rock, but secondly, getting into the rock. Number two, getting into the rock. Notice his preposition changes at first He is on the rock. But when you get down in verse number 7 through verse number 10, his preposition of choice is in. In. In fact, verse 7 says in God. That's how it begins. And if you notice verse 7 ends the same way it begins. In God. In God. In God. Getting on to the rock. But once you get on to the rock, you need to see the importance of going into the rock. Getting on to, but going into the rock. David is glad he is Comforting his own, I'm on the rock, I'm on the rock. But then he goes further and says, I'm not only on the rock, I'm in the rock. I'm in him, I'm in God, who is my rock, strength, 
salvation, shelter, refuge in God. In God. I see that when he changes his preposition in God, in him. That in verse 2 and 6, there is a progression of stability that's taking place in David's life. Now go back to verse 2. In verse number 2, when David is on the rock, when he is upon God, waiting on God, on the rock, you'll notice in verse 2, he says, I will not be greatly moved. I shall not be greatly moved. Did y'all see that? Okay. When he is on the rock, he says, I'm not as movable as I was. I feel a lot better about it. Soul, be encouraged, soul. Are you listening to me, soul? Did you hear what I said? Wake up and pay attention to this sermon. Soul, on the rock. I, you will not be greatly moved. But when he's getting ready now to talk about going into the rock, he says in verse 6, I shall not be moved. Now something's happened. Something's happened. Can you see that? There's a difference between I shall not be greatly moved and I shall not be moved. Apparently when David is on the rock, he recognizes that even upon the rock he can still be moved. But when he goes into the rock, when he is in the rock, he cannot be moved at all. He is as immovable as the rock itself. Let's say tonight that you were out in the ocean and in the middle of a hurricane and you were tossed about by the winds and the waves but you came upon a rock. You came on the rock. I don't know about you but I'd feel a lot better. I'd feel a lot better about it if I, if I, could, if I could get on a rock. But if you are out in the ocean and the winds and the waves are beating against the rock, the rock is immovable. But when you are on the rock, you are not as movable as you were before you got on the rock. But when you are on the rock, you are still movable. The wind can blow you around on that rock. The waves can knock you down on that rock. Are you listening? David recognizes, he realizes, he's telling us so. When I'm on the rock, I'm... It's not as bad as it was when I was just tossed about by the winds and the waves. I found some stability on the rock. And I'm not going to be greatly moved upon the rock. But when he gets inside of the rock, he says, I'm not going to be moved at all. And if you're out there in the sea and there's a hurricane, and you're still getting slammed and knocked around on the rock, but there you find a hole in the rock and you get inside of the rock. Can the storm touch you inside of the rock? Can it move you inside of the rock? You are as immovable as the immovable rock is. There is a progression of stability. It is good to be on Christ. It is even better to be in Christ. Oh, it's good to get on Jesus but it's even better to go in to Jesus. There's not only a progression of stability, there is a protection of security. In verse 2, when David is on the rock, when he is waiting upon God, he says that God 
as his only rock, as his salvation, and strength and defense. I believe it's verse 2, Brother Wampler, that he says three things about his rock when he is on it. But when you get down into verse number 7 and verse number 8, when he goes into the rock, he's got a lot more to say about it when he gets in. He's got more than a rock and more than a defense and more than salvation. Are you listening to me? He starts piling up more terms. Starts piling up. He's feeling a lot better about it. He's feeling more comforted. He's feeling more calm. He's got more peace in his heart. God has become even more to him inside of the rock, inside of Christ. He is completely safe. He is completely sound. And notice what he does in verse 8. He goes from talking to himself to talking to all of us. He says, trust in Him. All ye people. Do you see there's not only a change of preposition in David's composition of this psalm. There's a change of audience. At the start he's singing to himself. But when he gets in the rock, when he realizes that he is in that immovable rock, you see the emphasis of movability. Verse 2 and 6. I shall not be moved, he said. He's feeling so good about it after preaching to himself and singing to himself. He starts preaching to all of us. I want to give you some good advice, especially if you're a preacher. Now, I already said we all got a preacher inside us. But especially if you're a preacher. Whatever you intend to preach, preach it to yourself first. And when what you have preached to yourself greatly affects you, when it settles you and calms you and brings great peace and encouragement to you, now you're ready in verse 8 to start preaching to everybody else. David said, I want all of you to trust in Him. Trust in to Him. Believe in to Jesus Christ. Thank you for singing Rock of Ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in Thee. Getting on to the rock, but going into the rock. Can I say before I close tonight that if you are not in Christ, if you are not a Christian, if you are not saved, come to Jesus. Believe on Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But not only believe on Him, believe into Him. Get in. Get in Christ. And if you're in Christ tonight, get further into Christ. And as you move further in, get all the way in. And when you get all the way in, Stay in Jesus Christ. Now here's the last one. Verse 11 and 12. His prepositions change from upon and in to unto. So I have said about our immovable rock tonight. 
There is a challenge in this psalm for all of us about getting onto the rock and going into the rock. But it ends by David giving unto the rock. Unto the rock. Verse 11, David said, Lord, you said it once, but I heard it twice. Power belongeth unto the Lord. Verse 12, unto thee, Lord, belongeth mercy. Who's David talking to in the first part of the psalm? And then who's he start talking to in the middle of the psalm? Verse 8 through 10. He starts talking to all of us. I didn't take the time, but if you're a student of the Bible, verse 9 and 10, David said, he's still talking about in, 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 in. Verse number 9 and 10, he said, now don't trust in men and don't trust in money. Don't do that. Trust in the Lord. But in verse 11 and 12, he moves from talking about himself, talking to himself and talking to us. And now who's he talking to in verse 11 and 12? He's talking to God. Can you see that David's position is becoming less and less movable as he contemplates the immovability of his rock? Before he can put his pen down, he's got to sing unto He's got to give something unto the rock. He's got to talk to the rock. And to this immovable rock, David is not just praying, but David is praising. And he's giving worship. He's giving thanks to the immovable rock. David's not bragging on himself, patting himself on the back for how strong he is, how tough that he is. He's giving all the glory to God for the peace that he now has in his soul and all of these movable trials. And he begins to give praise unto God as his mighty rock unto thee belongeth power. He sees his immovable rock as a mighty, a mighty immovable rock. And in verse 12, a mercy immovable rock. Have you ever wondered what David meant and I'm done in verse 11 and 12? Verse 11, what did David mean when he said to the Lord, the Lord said it once, Lord you said it once, but I heard it twice. What's that all about? The Lord said it once, David said I heard it twice. Let's see if this has ever happened to you and I'll be finished. When David says that the Lord said it once, he's talking about that God put it in his word. Are you with me? You put this in your word, Lord. You said it. He is talking about God's general call, God's general voice, God's general revelation, what God has said in his word. But when David said, I heard it twice, he's not just talking about the general call, he's talking about an effectual call. Lord, you put it in there once and I read it. I read it in your word. But I heard it again in my heart by your spirit. That ever happened to you? Something you've read in the Bible over and over and over and over and over and over again, you quote it backwards and forwards. 
But at some point it becomes real and God speaks to you out of that passage, out of that text, out of that particular verse. You're hearing it again. But you're hearing it in a way that as our brother prayed tonight, that it has moved from your head and what you have read on a page or what you have heard a preacher preach and teach and it has got down into your heart and has become the voice of God to you through his word. Something you needed in the Bible, something you needed in a time of difficulty and trial and God took something in his word and just made it real in you and you heard it again. You heard it again. In the midst of David's trial, he's singing about his rock and he ends singing to his rock. And he said, Lord, I just want to give unto the rock. I want to give you praise that you are my mighty rock and you are my mercy rock. A mighty rock that we can rest on in tonight, but a mercy rock that we can find refuge, comfort, strength, stability calm and peace in a time of turmoil 